So John chapter, uh, John chapter 17, beginning in verse 6, uh, hear the word of God. Jesus prays, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Even so here among us. So so the focus of Jesus' prayer uh, shifts in verses uh, 6 to 19. Well, Jesus starts off in the first verses making a, making a personal request, right? As he, as he knows that his death uh, is, is approaching, uh, that he is about to accomplish the redemption of humanity, uh, he prays, Father, glorify your Son, who would see the beauty of God who gives uh, his life to rescue us. Well, while he begins with that, uh, speci- by that personal request, and now in these verses, what you see him doing is praying specifically for his followers, the apostles, the early disciples, but for his followers, because also with his coming death, uh, that's going to shake them to the core. Uh, and even as his resurrection and ascension will also redefine them uh, and move them forward. So, so in the first five verses that we didn't read today, uh, the focus was on glory. The word glory is uh, mentioned five times in those five verses. It talks about the worth, the value, the importance of who Jesus is and how he shows the glory of God to us and how that's seen in salvation. But, it, but in these verses, it's a different word that we see repeated. Uh, we see world. There's, there's an important contrast that's in view. And 13 times over these verses, you hear the world, the world, the world. Um, the, if you want to think of it as the, the word and world contrast, you can, you can see it that way. Uh, but here's what, what's happening in these verses. Uh, Jesus prayed for how his followers would relate to the world. 
hard thing. It's a difficult thing. It's a constant daily thing uh, that we engage in. And here in these verses, we hear how Jesus prays for his followers to relate to the world. To put the question a little bit uh, differently, though, I think it's a, a really common, there's a common question that we ask that this uh, passage answers. Um, it's a question uh, that, that maybe you've asked recently. I think we ask it often. I've, I've asked it a lot. It's a question you hear both from uh, inside the church as well as very much from, from outside the church. To hear the question, why are Christians so weird? Um, why are Christians so weird? Right, if you haven't asked that question, then friends around you probably have asked that question. Um, it's, it's okay to laugh there. Listen, listen, take it from someone who is weird in lots of different ways. Um, it's important to know that you're weird and to be able to, to laugh about that. Uh, but but Christian, Christians are weird. There's a difference that, that's, in, that's involved here that Jesus is bringing out for us. And we wrestle with that. We wrestle with why do our lives look different than people around us? And how are we supposed to interact when those differences show up so many different places and in so many different ways and opinions and values and interactions. What do we do with that? Uh, more so, how does this prayer uh, answer for us that question and how Christians are supposed to relate to the world? So, so first of all, uh, different than the world. Maybe it feels a little bit rude uh, for me to say weird uh, too many times, which I probably will. It's not the Mother's Day sermon that you expected, right? Calling you weird already. Um, but, but, but you have to admit, when you look at these verses, uh, that Christians are, are different, right? Christian, Christians are different uh, from the world. Here's Jesus in verse 9. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world. Okay, there's definitely a strong distinction here that Jesus is bringing out. Christians are different. Uh, verse 6, uh, even, if, even though Christians have been, uh, his disciples have been a part of the world, he says, you have given them to me, Father, out of the world. Still, verse 14 and 16 make very clear uh, that, that Jesus' followers are part of the world no longer. Uh, twice he repeats it, they are not of the world. They don't belong to it. They're not still part of it. So, so what is that, that difference? Um, what do we mean when we talk about Christians uh, being different? Or in other words, why are you calling me weird? Right here, and what I mean, first of all, to say some of the things I don't mean, not a, not a superficial difference. Like maybe it would be nice if we were like, oh, it's just superficial. Don't worry about it. Uh, not talking about a superficial uh, difference here. Um, Things that, that just belong to like uh, so-called Christian culture, right? If you can get your uh, Christian T-shirt from the Christian bookstore, listen to your Christian music or the Christian radio, uh, and that's fine to have it or not, but it, but it doesn't really make the difference, right? You can still, you don't have to, but you can change the radio station and get a normal shirt to wear, and it, it doesn't change whether or not you're a Christian. Uh, that's not the weirdness we're talking about, um, nor what always kind of got me was it seems like, why does it seem sometimes that Christians are always like 10 to 15 years behind uh, regular cultural trends? Have you, you ever noticed that? Maybe it's like five to 10 years now. I feel like we've gotten a little bit better. The really hip Christians are kind of just two years behind. Um, for me, I grew up in the church, right? We always had the Sunday school material. Every new quarter, you get like the new Sunday school material comes in. And it would drive me crazy because you always have pictures of like the other kids who were supposed to be your age 
but, but they're wearing stuff like from 10 or 15 years ago, and you're looking at their hairstyles and the clothes, and you're like, the 80s were mm, not so great. Oh, and this is not like motivating and encouraging. So there's lots of different weirdnesses, but that's not the, that's not the differences that the passage is talking about. And I don't mean the, the differences of like uh, how some particular group of Christian is different from others. Because right? the Baptists all think that the Presbyterians are weird, and the Presbyterians think the Charismatics are weird, and the Charismatic think the Anglicans are weird, and probably everybody's correct, uh, but that's not the things that the Baptist is talking about. Uh, what Jesus is getting to here is a more uh, fundamental difference. I don't know if we want to say a fundamental weirdness, but that's the, that's the idea of it uh, for us here. But, but the core difference is, is simply this. It's being in relationship with God. Uh, being in real relationship with God as the, as the most important and primary relationship for you. Of one beyond you who has given himself to restore you to him. And having that relationship brings with it a trailer full of implications for who you are and how you live that mark you off as different uh, from the world around Listen, you can see this from another angle, too, looking at the passage, uh, just for, for what John means when he talks about the world. And he uses this word uh, so many different times. And what, is it, what does he mean by the world, right? He's not talking about the earth, or just our, our planet. Um, and you have various usage uh, throughout uh, Scripture. But in John's gospel, whenever he, he uses this, it's always consistent with how he uses it in chapter 1. In chapter 1, you have the, the prologue uh, to the kind of an introduction uh, to this gospel. It talks about Jesus as the word, the message of God, uh, coming into the world. And it puts it this way, that he was coming into the world and the world was made through him. And yet, the world did not know him. Every time it's used in John's gospel, it's without understanding the world as those that, that did not know him. Not just some abstract intellectual, but in terms of having a, a connected relationship of intimacy uh, with God. Um, even later in this chapter, verse 25, uh, you can see it. It says, Jesus simply prays, uh, the world that, that does not know you. What he means? He talks to the world. Someone who's absence of a relationship of connection to God. It's not that hard. That would be readily admitted by many people outside the church. But they, don't, they don't know God. They don't know if there's a God or if there is, uh, what he's like. Uh, and even folks from, from other religions would describe the connection that we have to God very different from a, from a real intimate relationship of reconciliation the way that Christianity does. So, so if you do know God and you know him as the most primary and important relationship to you, that's kind of unsettling for people around you. Um, maybe I can make this connection. Like you can, you can come across a more like from Stranger Things, uh, Joyce Byers' character, not with a frantic paranoia uh, if you're part of that. But but in, this, in the story, her uh, her son is is missing, and she continues to get these uh, these messages uh, from her son that no one else gets, and that no one else can verify, and everyone still cares about her, but they're also a little concerned, like. But does she have a grip on reality? Uh, what, what, what's going on here? If for Christians you have a deep, intimate connection uh, with God and, and the others around you don't know God, that's weird. That's concerning. 
not, you're a nice person, maybe they like you, but they're still like, but I can't go with you to some of these places. Uh, it comes off uh, really strange. Now, sorry, I'm stuck on Stranger Things. Maybe biblically the analogy is a little bit closer to uh, there's the three friends who are looking for their friend Will, uh, Lucas, uh, Mike, and, uh, and Dustin. And, and Mike and Lucas have gotten in a fight, and then they're not talking to one another. And biblically the picture maybe looks a little bit closer like that where both of them will talk to Dustin, but they won't talk to one another. That, there, that there's an ignoring, a refusal to acknowledge God that's going on from the world. Um, and, it's, and it's weird and uncomfortable as others are there and talking about him. Think about it this way. Here's who it, Jesus is speaking in the presence of his disciples as he prays for his followers. Think about how strange uh, the early uh, disciples and apostles must have seen. Uh, when, you, when you give up your job... Your occupation that I don't know is probably your father's occupation. You're part of this fishing village and you walk away from your boats and you walk away from your nets uh, to do what? Like to, to follow some guy around to different cities through the country. Like you're some kind of groupie. <laughs> did, they, did their parents like try to sit them down and have some conversations about what they were going to pursue in life? Right? It, it's not something that just fits with the way we expect the world uh, to go. Uh, but this is who Jesus specifically prayed for uh, here. But he also understood that while they knew him and they knew that he came from God and that uh, God had sent him and his words were from God and, and essentially that he's the Messiah, they still had a very weak uh, conception of, of what that meant of what God's rescue is going to look like, right? Not too long before this, uh, some of them were asking, uh, who's going to be first? Right? Or who's going to be at your right hand or your left? Who's going to have the position of importance? They're still looking uh, for a worldly rescue and a worldly hope. They're expecting worldly status uh, and some degree of worldly power that goes along with it. And so Jesus is praying uh, for them because their death was for them completely disorienting. Because their expectation and understanding are off. I think I still need to walk through a lot of those same uh, reorientations of faith and what I expect uh, from Christ and from his kingdom and being part of it and what I gain from it. Uh, what way are we look about it? But what does Jesus pray for them? Uh, you can narrow down specifically uh, the way he states his request is, is keep them in your name. He talks about the whole of his earthly ministry uh, this way. I've, I've manifested their name to, to, I've manifested your name, Father, to them. He's been able to, to reveal who God is for us and how we can be restored to, to him. And so Jesus prays as I'm going to the cross and all this is going to shake them up and all their expectations are off as they're going to experience even more the weirdness of what this is. Father, keep them connected in that basic relationship with you. Keep them knowing uh, your intimacy and love as they walk forward. To stay centered on God's name, his reputation, his character of who he is. On who God reveals himself to be, especially through Jesus' death uh, for us to rescue us. That they would be defined by their relationship to God and shaped uh, by that message of the gospel. And then after Jesus' death or resurrection, uh, did, they, did they become uh, less weird? Um, wasn't, isn't it much more uh, of what they did that they were so deeply uh, shaped by the gospel? 
But then you see their lives really one where they seem to have, have abandoned um, the hope of status or fame now. Uh, the hope of, of worldly power or the better job or the higher pay or the newer, better boat for fishing. But Jesus was what they talked about most. Uh, Jesus was their purpose and their role, right? They're, they're witnesses to who he is and what they've done. They're sent as apostles for that purpose, to help others know him as well. And many of them died for it. And all of them suffered in it. Uh, and they were okay with being weird because of the connection that they had to the Lord through it. And listen, if you're, if you're part of the church, uh, then, then you've been marked with the same name, right? Uh, that you've been baptized into relationship with God, baptized into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, into a restored, intimate relationship, knowing God's love that covers over our sin, that we get to be his children and belong to him. So that relationship defines you, and, and it marks you off as different from the world. Here's the thing, right? It's, it's hard to be different. It is hard uh, to be different and to not, feel, to not fit in, uh, to not feel like you belong when we, when we really want to. We don't want to stick out uh, like a sore thumb. Uh, it's hard to feel like you don't belong at times. And the, and the tendency comes uh, to hide those differences, right? To pretend uh, to fit in, to try to just be more like uh, what's around us. Um, maybe to talk about Jesus a little bit less, privatize religion, that's something just at home or whatever, um, or, or pursue self-importance or success a little bit more, uh, uh, pursue social status uh, a little bit more. Maybe just entertainment a little bit more. It doesn't work, though, for the Christian, does it? Uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work because you love Jesus more. And you keep coming back to him. Because you want that relationship stirred up in you again and again because that's where you find life, even when you look for it other places. Uh, that's why you're here this morning. And as much as this is a normal activity for us and a normal activity in our society, it's still pretty strange. Uh, because you're here, we're here gathered together to, to sing to and worship someone who we can't see, uh, who we can't touch who we can't hear in any normal, normal uh, audible senses, right? Uh, and you're here because you're attempting uh, to, to live your life according to the guidance of some invisible being. That, that's part of who you are as a Christian. You're trying to live your life according to the guidance of an invisible being. And you regularly come back again and again uh, to apologize for falling short in that. Oh, that's odd. That is so weird. Um, and it is beautiful. And it is good. And it defines part of who you are. Christians really are different than the world. And Jesus says, I am glorified in them. 
So first of all, uh, Christians are different uh, than the world. And the second main thing we see in this passage is that Christians are also directed into the world. All right, we've got to be careful. We need to talk about the difference. It's, it's fundamental and important. But we need to be careful that we don't overplay the difference as if there's not still constant interaction of believers with the world. Uh, or that we don't become so focused on the difference uh, that we lose interest in the world. Or that we lose touch with the world. Right, there, are, there are some amazing uh, scientists and doctors and engineers uh, that do uh, great and amazing things. And I have no idea what they do. Uh, and I could sit and I could listen to them describe uh, what it is they do. Uh, but they kind of lost touch with how to talk about their field with someone who's not part of their field. Um, Right? Well, I think we all fall into that. We've got technical language and precise language for some of the, the areas of life that we you talk to someone from the military and you get all these acronyms and you're like, that's that sound. Thank you for your service. You know, you're, like, you're still just a little bit lost there. Um, or another sense of it, personally for me, um, there are a lot of people uh, that, that matter deeply to me and that I care about but uh, that I've lost touch with. Uh, folks who graduated from years of, of campus ministry, uh, friends from back in seminary, friends from college, uh, people <coughs> earlier than that that I think about and care about, uh, but apart from like the occasional, you know, like, uh, click on, on Facebook, we don't interact much. Uh, and because we don't interact much, we're, we're, we're generally out of touch, even if we still care about one another. But Jesus intends uh, for Christians to be intentionally integrated into society, to be involved in society, not to be interested, and to not be out of touch. And it comes across pretty clearly in this prayer, most, most boldly and strongly in verse 18, near the, near the end of the section that we read, uh, Jesus prays this way, as you have sent, Father, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world to continue uh, that work. Jesus's followers are directed into the world, and it's Jesus's incarnation and his life that formed the pattern for it. And that's a hard pattern to, to follow, uh, as we know Jesus and we read God's, uh, John's gospel. Uh, we, we don't always want that. I don't. We look around and we go. Um, but, but society has so many values uh, that run contrary to the gospel and run up against it. So, so how can I be part of it? And that's a struggle, and we wrestle with that. And, and Jesus calls his followers to be salt and light to the world, in the world, for the world. Sometimes it feels like you know, my, my neighbors and my coworkers or these other friends have, they have, some, they have interests that I can't agree with. Um, and a lot of times it just feels easier to be with Christian friends. It's good to have Christian friends. And Jesus calls you to love people in the world, uh, to care about them and be involved with them. And sometimes we feel like, listen, I've got enough stuff going on in my own life right now. And I'm shaking apart and I'm not sure where, where I can stand, right? You think of the early disciples after the crucifixion. Uh, sometimes we feel like I've got so much going on in my life, I don't know where I need to be in a context where I can be supported. And absolutely, yes, you need to be in a context where you're supported, and the church should be one of those contexts. And it's still not the only context that you're in. Uh, and, and, and Jesus is still working in relationships outside of that. 
That's why we said one tendency is to try to fit in uh, with the world. Uh, another tendency, when we're, when we're seen as, as weird in it, is to remove ourselves, right? Sometimes what we want to do is remove ourselves uh, from the pain or from the difficulty uh, of it. Um, when people don't like me, when people don't want me around, uh, I tend to go somewhere else. I don't, I don't want to stay there any longer uh, than I have to. Uh, if, you, if you always feel awkward around certain people, or there's people who are always pointing at what they think is your awkwardness, probably not your, your favorite people. Uh, right? we, we generally try to avoid being in context where, where we know that we're not liked. That's what we do. Um, but that would be the opposite of the pattern that Jesus sets uh, for his followers in relating to the world, right? It's the opposite of what Jesus did. Uh, we already said that the world in John's gospel is the world that, that didn't know God, right? Doesn't have a restored uh, relationship with God. It's particularly one that the world should know God because it's made by God. So it's, it's an ignoring relationship. It's a refusal to acknowledge God or to want to have anything to do with him. So, so how does God respond, right? It's not like the two friends where both are not talking uh, with, to one another. Uh, how, do, how does God respond to the world that wants to have nothing to do with him? But that God so loved the world that hated him and refused him, that he gave his own son to rescue us, to restore us uh, to relationship uh, with himself. Uh, Jesus, in, in his life, he comes, John's gospel brings out, to make God known, to make him understandable uh, to us. And we get to see it in his words, in his teaching, in his preaching, in his life, uh, in his miracles that he did. That Jesus did everything right and everything perfectly. Um, and was he liked? Uh, but ended up rejected. Rejected in the harshest possible way of the, of the we don't want you here uh, completely. So crucify him, crucify him uh, toward execution on the cross. And Jesus prays this prayer as he's looking forward to, as he, as he knows what's coming, as he's preparing to die for humanity. And he doesn't remove himself from that pain. And he doesn't remove himself out of that pain, out of his love for you. I have his love for us to call us out of the world. He sets the pattern for us. Right, we don't necessarily like it when you read in verse 15, if you're the disciples and you're hearing this, and Jesus uh, in verse 15 says, I do not pray that you take them out of the world. You're like, wait, wait, pause, <laughs> rewind, play that part again. Right? What was that? I do not pray that you take them out of the world. You're like, Jesus, you could have prayed that? Because um, here's Jesus is going, skipping everything, going, going to be with the Father, right? And we're going, wow. Or that, we, like, like what if whenever, when, whenever someone was converted, uh, I've, I've never grown up with the rapture, understanding and all that thing, right? But, but if when everyone was converted, immediately when someone prayed the prayer and believed in Jesus, then they were just raptured up and they were, they were with Jesus and the, and the Father then, right? Now that would be weird. <laughs> but we probably wouldn't complain about that so much. A lot easier, a lot of things that were, that were taken away from. Uh, but Jesus specifically says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Because here's what we would miss. 
uh, where Jesus says, I am glorified in them. That Jesus' glory is seen more fully and beautifully uh, through them, right? The apostles and the early disciples didn't have it easy in relating to the world. But they made the glory of Jesus known wider and fuller and deeper and more passionately. In other words, the the beauty and perfection of Jesus and his uh, giving of himself to restore us to fellowship with God uh, shines through his followers. Because there's nothing so great about any of us. We were part of the world. Yet God restored us to life in himself. And and we haven't done anything so great. Um, You know me, I know some of you, right? We, We continue to mess up. And we fail over and over and we sin and we confess our sin together as we come together because it's not that we've done anything uh, so great. Um, And still God keeps us as his own and loves us and holds us in his love. So that what we do is we get to make it obvious uh, that God loves sinners. That our God is a God who has given himself to restore sinners to life and fellowship with with him. That Christ died uh, to redeem us, to bring us back, uh, to heal us, uh, to love us. And that the the punishment, uh, the justice of it, for the things, for all the ways where we failed, that Jesus took that and put it on himself. That he experienced what isolates the relationship, what breaks the relationship, so that we can be restored uh, into his love. I mentioned last week, Keller describes how Jesus' glory is the greatest possible glory uh, because of how willingly he lays aside his glory out of love for us. And we get to make that more visible by being in the world. Right? It could be. I've just thought about y'all in our situation. I think it could be, it could be easy for Centerpoint uh, right now with all that's going on to, to lose focus on this uh, because, because we just lost our pastor, and that's hard. Uh, and it is hard. And we're trying to figure out, like, okay, how do we keep going? <laughs> how do things need to, need to go? What, what all happens with this, that, and the other? Uh, we don't even know when what's going to happen next. Uh, and that's okay, and that'll be hard. Uh, but still, this is part of our focus. Still, this is what Jesus calls us into. Having made us weird, having restored relationship with us, to still send us out into the world. Because we, in our brokenness and our weakness and our helplessness and not sure how everything goes and still wanting to be here, shows how much we need Jesus. Shows his glory for us. We want to make that visible wider and deeper and fuller how helpful it is, how essential it is for us, and how freely it's offered outside of us. See, in the pattern that Jesus gives, uh, what should be the the weirdest thing about Christians uh, is that they don't stop caring, that they don't stop loving and interacting and reaching out uh, and pursuing, even, even when being rejected and even when being hurt. Not that you're like annoying constantly up on some, but that you continue uh, to care uh, because we've been loved uh, by the, fully by the one who we've uh, rejected and hurt fully. He didn't stop loving us. He loved us through uh, to the end. 
And so it's a call to move into hard settings, to get right into the, the middle of difficulty and to be there with people when we don't know what to do. We don't have the answers, uh, but to still be there and care and to love. To be there in the middle of conflict when, yes, I have this opinion and you have that opinion, and they don't go together, and I still like you. And I can feel that maybe you don't like me because you know some of my values on these things, and I'm still here with you. And we're going to stick it out together. Um, I'm not going to be pushed away. I still care about you because that's how I've been cared about. It brings us into to broken situation, whether that's broken politics or broken families, whether you look at things like poverty or addiction and not just impressive things that's important to be involved in, uh, but daily and normal things, uh, motherhood and friendship and caring uh, for one another and reaching out. Not withdrawing when we don't fit in which is my tendency in every moment that I experience it. Not removing ourselves when it hurts, or when it hurts to not belong, but giving ourselves to the world around us, uh, living the truth of relationship with God. It's a broken person who's still been loved. And that's weird, but it is beautiful. It is deep. This is a delight of the Lord. Jesus directs us into the world, defined by his name, defined by his word, set apart for his truth and the mission of living according to that truth in relationship with all the world around us. The beautiful thing is we have this in a prayer. So we know what Jesus cared about. And we know what he prayed for. Um, and maybe we worry about our prayers sometimes. Is God really answering this? Uh, which scripture gives us clarity on? But here, Jesus prays. Uh, and what Jesus prays, his father answers. We see that in the apostles. We see in the early church. And still Jesus cares for how his followers relate to the world. And we wrestle to how, with how to do it well. It's a hard path to navigate, uh, even when the pattern's clear. But here's our confidence. What Jesus has prayed, his Father uh, has answered. And all the, all the weirdness of it and the difference and the not belonging uh, is really a sharing in the glory of Christ himself uh, and Christ being glorified in his people.